convictions found me, uh, maybe like a year after I like accepted God. And I was so excited because this was like my first Christian band and I was going to like start writing all these Christian songs and being like this other person. And I remember telling my dad, I was like, dad, like my dad's Christian. I was like, dad, I'm going to, I'm going to join this Christian band and it's, they're called convictions. And he was, I thought he'd be like really supportive and psyched. He was like, yeah, I don't want you doing that. And I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah. He's like, if you're going to do that, like you really have to like walk the walk. And I remember sitting in his driveway and it was like, I basically have to become a different person and I'm okay with that. So that's where the title I will become came from. What's up, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Trevor Talks. I'm your host, Trevor Tyson, and I'm just so excited for today's episode simply because the guest is a frontman for the Grizzly Award-winning metalcore band Convictions, and they embody a few of my favorite things to discuss, being metalcore, mental health, faith, and so much more. So I'm excited. I hope that you guys are excited. And even if you're not metalcore fans, like, you know, we've had some of the heaviest hitting metalcore bands of all time on this show. We've had Jake Lures from August Burns Red, Maddie Mullins from Memphis Mayfire, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Michael W. Smith, Taya from Hillsong, you know, just all of the hardcore scene bands, you know, that's a joke, but you guys can laugh later or whatever. Please help me welcome Mr. Mike Felker. Mike, thank you so much for being here, man. <laughs> Hey, man. Thanks for having me, man. This is awesome. I really appreciate you, man. Dude, of course. Uh, once I heard Convictions, I was like, oh, this has got to go down. Like, this is sick. <laughs> so, again, thank you for being here today. And I know that you've been on the road doing festivals and tours, so you have to be exhausted. So, seriously, from all of us here at Trevor Talks, thank you for being here. Oh, no, man. It's a pleasure, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> so you guys played a festival or two over the past week. How has the festival season been going for you? I know you've been doing secular and Christian festivals, which is an awesome dynamic. But has anything stood out to you? What's your favorite festival this far? Um, so we just did three. Uh, the first one we did was Kingdom Come Fest. And then this past weekend, we did uh, Audio Feed and Creation Fest. Nice. Um, it was pretty weird because like, uh, outdoor festivals like always weird me out. I'm like, is it going to rain? Is it going to like, like, what's it going to be like? Like I know with COVID and everything, it was like a kind of a wild card to see like, you know, how turnouts and stuff would be. Um, but, uh, it was pretty good. It, it rained a little bit during creation fest, which was terrifying. Um, it like rained, I would say like 15 minutes before we went on. And then, like right when it stopped, like the whole crew and everybody just like grabbed all our gear, threw it on stage. And we're, I'm like, <laughs> I had a towel under my shoe and I'm just like wiping down the stage right before we go on. And, uh, luckily we had a really good set, but it was crazy. Cause like right after we finished playing back to rain. So it was just a sauna like all weekend, like both Illinois and, um, uh, Pennsylvania. It was just like rain and just like hot, muggy sweat, but there was a lot of metalheads that came out and it was a good time. Well, for all the people that are listening for summer festivals, everybody's like, Oh, it's going to rain. It's going to cool down. No, it's not like that. It gets muggy. It gets hot. Um, everybody's humid. So you guys muscled through it. And with your style of aggressive worship, as you call it, that mm -hmm. had to be really hot. Like running around, jumping, bouncing, people doing circle pits, <laughs> all, and you're screaming at the top of your lungs, obviously. That has to be freaking hot, dude. How do you oh, contain yeah. that? Uh, well, I, <laughs> part of my, like, my look is I'm always doing the tank tops, but uh, I'm always wearing black jeans. And 
if I could pull off the shorts, uh, that would be great. But my legs are way too white and pasty for that. So <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, that's that's me too. I uh, even at festivals, I I try to wear jeans if it's not just scorching hot, just because I've got little white white chicken legs and <laughs> they stand out. Like is Casper coming up or what? Like that's just how I roll, and I don't have all the cool tattoos to mask it. But it had to be fun uh, going from convictions to We the Kingdom and like for King country and all these bands that has to be a very interesting lineup but as you said there are a huge core base of metalheads that come out to these festivals and even the smaller festivals the bigger festivals they're all so much fun festival season's enjoyable and i'm glad that you had so much fun out there but i can't wait to see you guys rip one i totally missed uh, the last tour you came through atlanta and chattanooga which i'm in both places equally and i was like dang one of the times i had covid and then the other one i forgot what happened but it seemed like y'all had big crowds come out so i'm excited to see what's coming next for convictions but one thing that really intrigues me about you guys as a collective is that your sound is unique all on its own and that stands out for itself but the lyrical content as well like the words actually mean something which is kind of unique to find it may found sound very cliche to say that but a lot of music these days don't have that much depth in their lyrical content so for all the listeners out there as i kind of joked on earlier we have a diverse base of people that listen in with ccm fans scene kids soccer moms teachers skateboarders aspiring musicians and so forth what do you think that connecting dot for your fans and convictions is? Is it the vulnerability behind the music? Is it a collection of a lot of different things? Or what really stands out for you from the artist's perspective? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> we have quite a quite a broad fan base, I'd say. So, you know, it's it's kind of hard to, you know, pinpoint it on, on one thing. Uh, you know, there's some people that just want to come out and let off some steam or or uh, maybe they had a, a tough week at work and they just want to come to a show and, you know, mosh and, and have a good time. And, and that's a great thing. Uh, and then there's others that we have, uh, we've affected personally, which, uh, which is really rewarding. Uh, you know, people that have shared their stories of, you know, struggles and, and maybe mental health issues and things like that. And it, uh, it really kind of brings it home on why we're doing it and, you know, why we fought so hard for so long to share our message and and uh yeah it's just a lot it's a lot of different backgrounds but it's really uh it's t- I, it would really be tough to pinpoint like one audience you know that we're we're touching down on whether it's they want mosh or they want lyrical content i can't tell you well but we're you grateful guys- Yeah, you do it both so well. And for those who haven't heard of Convictions quite yet, what would the short intro be for Convictions? The elevator pitch, the core of your message, whatever you want to explain. Uh, Well, I would just probably put it on aggressive worship. That's our moniker. Uh, It's, uh, yeah, it's like uh, another moniker is emotion captured in noise. So it's like uh, there's spiritual elements, of course, but... It's um, it's aggressive, and we try and have a message that most Christian artists won't touch down on. So, getting to the core of like real world issues and struggles is like very, very important to us. Like reaching people at that eye level. Uh, but yeah, it's aggressive. It's uh, angry, but it's uh, it's uh, like screaming for with a reason, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, rock with purpose and yeah, that's, that's just such 
a needed thing with me being a metalcore fan myself. It's like you go to these shows and a lot of times there's not as much depth to like why the band is there. They're either getting drunk before the show, like God forbid, and just they're living that rock star life. But I've never got that vibe from you, thankfully. And the band's catalog is really extensive. And for time's sake, I really want to dive into a few of the overarching themes of some albums and EPs that you've put out, as well as doing a deep dive into some of the singles that you've done over the past few months. And first up, I really want to talk about Hope for the Broken. As I listened to that record, it just hit home for me in so many different ways. Like we discussed beforehand, I talk about mental health a lot because that's something that I've personally struggled with in my life. And especially in the faith-based market, you don't hear as much of people talking about their personal issues as in depth that you have in your music. And it's of course gotten a lot broader on the people that are discussing it, but to go in as depth as you are with convictions, that album really struck a chord with me. So what was the writing process like for hope for the broken? What are some of the themes that you talk about throughout the album and what would you want people to walk away from it with? Ooh, okay. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta go back a few years with that one. Uh, so hope for the broken was written, uh, after I will become. So I like to look at it as like an extension of extension of that record. So I guess going back a little further with, uh, I will become that song was my first full length record with the band and was that my journey, uh, stepping into the role as a Christian man and uh, faith was new to me. I, it was like my beginning. So, a lot of that record is like preparation for hope for the broken. It was kind of like uh, establishing my place in, in the kingdom, I guess you could put, or or like finding my footsteps and grasp and, and moving forward. And then hope for the broken is kind of that tipping point uh, where you can use your struggles and, and your um, obstacles in life to, to help others. I think that's kind of like, something that God revealed to us was uh, there's a lot of strength in being vulnerable and, and hope for the broken, I guess is the, you know, the, the title there. Uh, but throughout that record, we talked a lot uh, about mental health with songs like voices, um, personal issues, you know, heartaches and breakup like deceptive heart. Um, yeah. It's a, uh, I definitely have to do a little bit of digging cause it's been a, it's been a handful of years since we put it's that record been together. quite a while since it's that one while. came out. You've done a good job with it. And you almost sound like Trump there. It's been a while, guys. It's been a oh, while. But <laughs> we won't get into politics, but had to throw that out there. But that record, like especially Voices, that really hit home for me. I enjoy it through and through. So excellent job on that. Not going to fangirl. We'll cut that out, but not really going <laughs> to cut it out, but I'll cut it out right now. But the second I really want to talk about is the EP, I Won't Survive. And you start off with the song the war that followed me home which from what i got from the music video and obviously the lyrics is really touching on ptsd from war and just the music video all on its own has its own story but from that track going into the record it was really admirable that you put that as like hey this is the first thing people are going to hear because ptsd like honestly in faith-based content you don't see as much at all um ptsd a little bit more our friends at heart support are doing some amazing things for veterans so shout out to them but when it comes to i won't survive starting with the war that followed me home 
what did that look like going through your head, especially for the rest of the record, just diving into people's individual stories? That was a very touchy to- uh, topic to discuss. Yeah, so that was uh, one of the first songs that we writ- written for the uh, the record. Uh, being on the road, we, we've come across so many incredible people and uh, in different walks of life. And we've been really fortunate enough to have some people share their their stories and their struggles. And uh, Corey, he's a friend of ours. He, he's the one that helped us write this song. Uh, we met him down in Orlando and we hit it off like right away. It was like an old friend that, but you're meeting him for the first time. And uh, quickly he, uh, he started sharing his stories about uh, his, uh, his story overseas fighting uh, the Afghanistan war. Uh, he, I don't know that, I don't know the name of that war. Is that uh, we can cut? We should definitely cut. It this was out. a war. It was a war. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll cut yeah. That. yeah, definitely. Please. Uh, <laughs> uh, Corey was opening up to us about his, his stories uh, fighting in war and, and how he had lost his friends and, and not just that, but almost like he, him taking the war home with him. Uh, he, he was struggling with PTSD. Uh, some of his friends actually took their lives after, coming home and serving, which is hard to fathom. Yeah. Uh, and we, we just had a really close connection with him. And when we set out to write this record, I wanted to have a concept record sharing uh, survival stories. Uh, Corey was super vulnerable with us and he, and he allowed us to ask some very sensitive questions, uh, telling us, uh, you know, his, his stories fighting and, and coming home. And so I wanted to tell that song in a chronological order from having the night terror right in the beginning. Uh, I break down, my mind awakes in the wake of hysteria. It's happening again. I see his face in the place where I rest my head. So it's, it's very literal. Uh, and, and we wanted to try and get it as close to the real thing as we can because uh, I haven't served and nor has anyone in my band. And what we know is just what we see in movies and stuff, you know? Yeah. So I tried to, yeah, like... Ha- have it as authentic and into his story as we could. And, uh, it, yeah, it's, it kind of set the tone for the rest of the record with, uh, survival stories and suicide and, and situations that are out of, you know, our, our friends control and, uh, finding hope and faith. And, and that hopefully will inspire others, you know, like with their, you know, their walks. So, yeah, yeah. Cora is a big helping hand in that song. And, you know, we can't think of enough him and people who've served. It's, it's pretty sad to see the the limited resources some of these guys have coming home. So t- starting a discussion with, you know, about that was really important and we wanted to be a part of that. So thank you, Corey. <laughs> Come on, man. Thank you, Corey, for that. And you move on from there and the price of grace. And this one stood out to me just because it's, it's obviously very vulnerable. And it's more of a personal story for you. And the inspiration is from losing from someone to suicide um, who was a fan of the band. And that has to be a really hard thing. In fact, like um, we talked with Jake Lawyers about why heart support exists. And he explained that there are a lot of people coming out to shows with cuts on their wrists, with uh, giving up razors and et cetera. But I haven't necessarily heard a story about someone losing a fan to suicide as you did. And you actually reached out to his friend who would come out to the shows with him and 
he opened up on the story and gave you the blessing to write the song. So what's the story behind CJ and Travis and how did this really come to fruition to become a song? Yeah, it was, it was a little unexpected. I mean, definitely unexpected, but we, we were, we had songs in the past, like voices, like we just talked about where, you know, we opened the discussion of mental health awareness and, um, and sharing anti-suicide messages and things like that. But I have never really had anybody in my close circle of family and friends commit suicide, luckily. And hearing CJ share that news, uh, you know, that Travis had taken his life, I didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to do except talk about it. And we started sharing this story about how two fans of ours would come and see us all over the, the country. It was like Florida and Texas and New York or maybe New Jersey, <laughs> but these guys are crazy, man. They're going all over to see us and supporting us. And Travis, CJ's best friend, Travis was like very unfamiliar with metal, but he, he was really drawn to it because of the community that, uh, that it has. It's, it's sweaty. It's aggressive. People are letting out steam, but it's also a, a very positive place where people can connect with each other and, and relate and be real. And, and that's what we love so much, you know, and Travis, I think was really intrigued by this. So he kept coming out with CJ to these metal shows and our experience with Travis was, was great. He was just a really kind guy. He's, you know, he's, he's had a lot going for himself. Uh, he, he told us about his daughter and, and he was really quiet and standoffish. And uh, in hindsight, I, I think a lot of it was just maybe, possibly toxic masculinity or something that, that idea where you, you have to bury your feelings and uh, keep it all together. Right. And unfortunately it didn't, you know, he, he took his life and we wanted to open that discussion. So we, we wrote this song price of grace in the perspective of CJ's best friend uh, right in that moment uh, when he received the news in his, his dorm, it was, uh, he was circling the room and, and he was on the phone and, and he was in this moment of denial. So we wrote the song in a chronological order again, just like what followed me home and tried to break it down as, as real and raw as we could, we could, uh, interviewing CJ. And, uh, he was, he went way over the hill for us with, uh, allowing us to share a voicemail that he put together for us, just sharing what he would have said, you know, had he called Travis that night and, um, but you know, like what his parting words would be in a way. And, uh, as, as hard it is, as it is to hear and as vulnerable as it is, um, there's a lot of people that connect with that and share those feelings. And, uh, yeah. we just feel really blessed that we can share that, you know? And, um, you, y'all did a wonderful job with it. And like, as being someone who's received the phone call, about a friend dying by suicide. Like it's, it's not something that comes natural, I guess, because it's a little bit more in depth. Cause in that moment you're like, you don't understand, like, it's not like they had quote unquote cancer or physical disease that was deteriorating at their brain. And it's like, you don't know how to feel. It's like, should I be mad? Should I be angry? Should I be upset? Like, why would you do this? And a lot of times like, uh, depression can be that, like it obviously takes lives. And 
it's something that does need to be talked about and you don't hear it as in depth as you guys have pieced it together. And it, it really opens up a conversation like you guys were trying to do. So I appreciate you putting that out there for people to understand because a lot of times they're like, Oh, that's a selfish thing to do. And over the past few years, we have really started a conversation, especially in faith circles on like, you know what, it's not, really that simple it's not something that you can piece together like you you may not be able to understand it just like i can't understand the pain of losing a child or having cancer Mm -hmm. etc like these are all things like you don't have to understand it you just have to understand that like you know what some people aren't okay mentally and while yeah quote unquote like it's okay not to be okay like sometimes you really need help for it and when you lose someone in that capacity you can't blame yourself. It's not something that like, Oh, if I could have just talked to them, like woulda, shoulda, coulda type thing. Right. And it's hard to uh, move on from. So with opening a vulnerable discussion like that, I'm sure you've had a lot of fans come up and really just express their gratitude for you opening that conversation and being so vocal about mental health is if you're open to discuss it, like have you had those moments of desperation, like even before your faith journey where you were struggling with your mental health and you needed someone to talk to and um, how'd you get through that? Uh, yeah, we, I've, I've touched on that personally. Uh, there's a song we written a while ago, uh, Moros. Uh, there was a lot of uh, personal experiences in there with my, uh, my struggle with su- suicidal tendencies when I was very young. Um, yeah, it's, it's challenging. And, and I think what's important is like you said, like opening that discussion, that's what we really want to promote is just discussion, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny too. Cause I, I was just talking about this over the weekend when we, when we were writing this song, Christ of Grace, sitting in the studio I, 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 I hate to be preachy or like try and push my spirituality on, on anyone here, but I felt a, a strong spiritual, uh, attack, uh, writing that song. Cause we've written songs like that, like Moros and, uh, and things like that, where we talk about suicide and mental health. And I, I had this voice, I swear it was like the devil or something. It was crazy. It was like, it was like, don't write this song. This is stupid. Like it's been done before. Everyone writes songs like these. It's, it's played out. It's, it's cliche and you're going to sound washed up. It's generic. And I, I heard that voice. And then I, and like, it was almost like in that moment where I was like, no, that's probably cause I'm on the right track that I'm having these thoughts. Just do it anyway. But like, um, go all the way, you know, go, go try and go above and beyond and really just like really lean into it. Cause I think, that a lot of people can be helped here. And it, and it was just so funny because I had that like voice and that's kind of how you, I knew it, you know, like that it, you're on that right path and opening that discussion. You may have that feeling like where you're, um, you're reaching out to a friend who, who's going through something and you're like, Oh man, like I'm going to look like a dork saying, I love you, man. Thinking of you, you know, or like, uh, having those like doubts, like, Oh, I probably shouldn't say anything. Like that's like, I think, the enemy in a way. And I think that it's like a lie and um, it's something that we really want to promote is just having that discussion, you know, reaching out. 
Yeah, and that was an attack, and I'm so glad that you were able to see this song through. And the vulnerability doesn't stop there. Uh, Your latest single, Supernova, is something that I want to talk about in particular, simply because, number one, the imagery used in the music video is like next-level stuff. It's a very (laughs) well-put-together video. I'm like, dang, where'd they get the budget for that? Like, that's crazy. (laughs) Um, But the lyrics, as usual, like as we see, or uh, the listeners have heard in this discussion, they just keep getting a little more vulnerable. And uh, some lyrics really caught my mind in the track. And it says, I'm tracing constellations to find a purpose. Compared to the heavens, my life seems worthless. Left in an endless void with my only myself to blame. God, heal me like the stars. You know them all by name. The imagery, the vulnerability, the sound, the video, all of it's just a perfect storm that comes into Supernova. So I'd really like to know where did the thought process start for this song for you personally? And uh, what's the message that you want people to take away from it? Um, So Supernova is about abandonment. Uh, There's a tagline, abandonment is the curse. (laughs) in those lyrics that you were talking about, there's, there, there's scripture influences. Uh, uh, like I can't think of the specific scripture, but it's God knows the stars all by name. Um, it's just kind of like tracing constellations to find a purpose, like connecting the dots on why people leave you or, or why, uh, you, you always feel isolated. And, and a lot, I think a lot of people relate to that. Um, I've struggled with abandonment issues from an early age. I, I parents divorcing and um, friend groups, you know, walking out on me and things like that and breakups and you name it. Uh, abandonment is a, uh, is a, is the main theme of supernova. And uh, yeah, that, that writing that was pretty challenging too. Cause you know, being fresh out of a breakup or something like that, like you don't really want to like air your dirty laundry and, and it's not necessarily about that, but mainly abandonment. And we wrote it like, in a very short amount of time, it was a really cool like, studio experience, but like Zach and I got together and we were challenging ourselves as, as an artist, you know, like, okay, like, this is what we do. Let's do it. And we just locked the doors in the studio and just bunk, hunkered down and got to work. And I'm really proud of that. It was a really fun experience, but, um, we made sure to take as much time as we needed to, to make sure that it was authentic and, and to the root of, you know, what we felt and that's supernova. I love it. And with all the fans coming out to shows, buying merch and being so supportive of the band, I know that it probably hasn't always been that way, especially uh, living as a touring musician, uh, traveling the country in a van. A lot of people are like, oh, it must be so glamorous being on tour. And we're like, eh, like <laughs> it, it has its perks. And like, obviously, there's a calling there, but we all have to start somewhere. So what was it like growing up for you? And have you always been drawn to heavy music? What's kind of the story of going from Mike Felker to creating convictions and everything in between? Uh, that's a, that's a rabbit hole. I, uh, I was drawn to heavy music probably like early, early junior high, sixth grade, maybe. Uh, I was just really drawn to heavy music in particular. Um, one, because my dad brought me up with, uh, like alternative rock and cool, like punk bands, like offspring and things like that. Um, but metal in particular, was just such a powerful sound and angry and aggressive and angsty, but 
powerful. That was, I think, the main draw for me because uh, I always felt a bit outcasted, and um, I've always been drawn to like counterculture things, extreme sports, skateboarding, um, just having uh, having felt outcasted from an early age in school finding powerful music that really just kind of expressed how I felt on the inside was, I think the seed that kind of planted it for me. Um, and in my later years, uh, I'd been playing shows since I was 15, but, uh, particularly like Christian music, uh, it was like the most like punk rock thing you could do. Cause it was like, uh, yeah, I'm angry and I'm just so on fire, but if I can use that, in a positive light trying to share a good message uh it's the most like counterculture thing on top of a counterculture thing so it's just like me like taking it to the next level of being like punk i guess i don't know how to work how to work here but uh yeah it was just kind of like taking a stigma and flipping it upside down come on man and when did faith come into the picture for you now i know the answer because i found a youtube video of you and your brother and i found that to be very encouraging so i'd love to know this or let everyone else know the story uh, behind your faith journey and how your brother had such a big role in it okay i'll try to make it uh as punctual on time as i can <laughs> that's a <laughs> testimony is pretty long um so yeah my brother that you saw in that video uh my stepbrother, Andrew, he, uh, he's a pastor at a church now, but, uh, when we were in our late teens, we were like 19 and we were both working a security job and I had gone through like a really rough breakup and I, I wouldn't call myself a Christian before that, but I, I was going to church here and there with my, my dad. And so like, I, I believed in God, but can't say I was a Christian. I wasn't really like, I didn't really understand what that meant or who Jesus is. Um, but I was going through this big rebellious phase at that age where I was watching like documentaries, like religious or zeitgeist, things like that. And I was like out to like ruin people's faith. And I had these theological debates and my brother who was studying theology at the time, was uh, really concerned about this. So like, I, I remember pulling him aside, we're working security and I just laid on him. I'm like, bro, like, how can you believe in this and this and this? And thinking he would be quick witted to like, come back and, and, you know, debate with me. He was stumped and my brother's super smart. So uh, this was like a big deal. Um, so he set out and like, did all this research, all this studying. And he came back to me and we, we started there where it was kind of like, um, okay, there's, there's something more to this. There's, there could be truth to this. Um, but around that time, like I said, I, I'd gone through like this serious de depression breakup. Uh, I really wanted to like end it all. It was a really tough time for me. And I tried speaking out. I tried talking to therapists or considering medication, you name it, to try and like pull myself out of this rut. And it wasn't until like my brother in the church um, approached me and I, it was just kind of like, this is silly. Like, this is so stupid. I don't even, I'm not even entertained by this. Uh, it wasn't until like the lowest point where I was like, you know what? Screw it. Like I'll give it a shot. Like I've seen what it's done to people and, and how it's transformed people's lives and things like that, especially in like some of my, my family groups. Uh, I, 
I was like, screw it. I'll try it. And what am I, what do I got to lose? I don't even believe in this, you know? And about that time I, I just like accepted it and I just like went with it. My life was like radically changing quickly and it's not, I can't say it's going to be like that for everybody, but, um, convictions found me, uh, maybe like a year after I like accepted God and I, I was so excited cause this was like my first Christian band and I was going to like start writing all these Christian songs and being like this other person. And I remember telling my dad, I was like, dad, like my dad's Christian. I was like, dad, I'm going to, I'm going to join this Christian band and it's, they're called convictions. And he was, I thought he'd be like really supportive and psyched. He was like, yeah, I don't want you doing that. And I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah. He's like, if you're going to do that, like you really have to like walk the walk. And I remember sitting in his driveway and it was like, I basically have to become a different person and I'm okay with that. So that's where the title I will become came from. Wow. So that's kind of like a snippet of like my testimony and like journey into convictions. I'm trying to like keep it short and (laughs) palatable. It's like, you don't want to keep people here all day. I do. I'm just kidding. But (laughs) there, there are often times when you're chasing your calling and really like for you coming out of that journey of questioning God or really accepting God, joining convictions and all of the things. But There are a lot of people out there listening that are feeling intimidated by fear, anxiousness, or maybe they have an opportunity that they feel would make a difference in the world. Um, As we've heard you walk through your journey, what would your encouragement be to someone out there who's struggling with anything that's really holding them back from being the person that they were created to be? Uh, I feel like a question like that would probably be like case by case, you know, like what's holding them back. But um I don't know. It's tough. Like, I don't want to just say like YOLO. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to really niche down and find an answer. But like so many people out there, like, let's take it by anxiety. Like if someone's out there and let's say they got a phone call similar to what you got from August Burns Red and they're like, hey, dude, we want we need you to come fill in for this. Those are some big shoes to fill. And Mm -hmm. it's it's like an obviously a God ordained opportunity. It could be intimidating how would you overcome that fear? How did you overcome that fear? And how would you encourage others to do the same? I think believing, believing in yourself, uh, as cliche as that is, it's hard not to find a cliche answer here, but, (laughs) uh, I've spent in my personal experience, I've spent so long, like dreaming of being on that stage, I guess in this, this way, literal, like being on that stage, but spent, so much time like believing that like this is what I'm made for and this is like what I'm destined to do and uh getting a, like a call like that like to sing for August Burns Red uh maybe false confidence <laughs> like uh um you know like uh I don't know just like owning the opportunity and having that belief in yourself whether you know you're an artist or or you're chasing a degree in college or whatever it is, but like truly believing in yourself, even if it's like, um, fake it till you make it like that false confidence thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just kind of taking that first step. And for me, yeah, it was just kind of like, okay, this is way over my head, but it's like a once in a lifetime thing and you only live once. And, and I really believe I can do this. And I, I don't know. It's hard not to sound arrogant when you like say it like that, but like, um, whatever that passion is that this person is struggling with. And if they're anxious, like you really do only live once and 
you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta do it. I don't know. Like there's more to life than, you know, just working a nine to five and, you know, just like going through the motions, there's more to life. And, um, you may never get a chance like that again, whether it's, you know, getting accepted to a college or, you know, that job opportunity, whatever it is, you know, like you gotta go for it. I don't, I don't know. It, it probably sounds really boring or cliche. And I, I wish I had more to say here. Man, oh man, after this interview, it makes me want to go do an even bigger deep dive into Conviction's discography. Thank you so much to Michael Felker for taking time out of his day to join us here at Trevor Talks. I strive to bring you guys meaningful, purposeful content that hopefully helps you overcome objections in your life. And after hearing Michael's stories that, about behind the songs and how Conviction's got started, his faith journey, I feel great it's almost like i just got out of therapy and i hope you feel the same way but guys be sure to go check out convictions on all streaming platforms go watch the music videos if you're not into heavy metal go read the lyrics and really just appreciate the work that they're doing in the metalcore space i think it's admirable i think it's phenomenal and i'm so grateful to have had him on the show again all the links are going to be in the description for convictions convictionsrocks.com and uh, all the social media platforms will be found down below. So thank you guys again for taking time to listen in to this week's episode. And we will talk to you guys next week. Goodbye now. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.